Hey everyone, welcome to Trends and Tings, where we bring you real chats on what's buzzing. On this week's show, it was tragedy at Astroworld over the weekend as eight people sadly lost their lives at Travis Scott's music festival. These are pretty light on at the moment in terms of the cause of death, so a lot of finger pointing going on. We chat about what happened and if this is a bit of a wake-up call for the festival scene in general. Also, young Western Australian girl Cleo Smith was found last week after a huge search took place across the state and the country, but Jacinda Franklin had some interesting thoughts on whether just as much effort would be put into the search for Indigenous children or missing children of colour. So we dive into her comments chatting about whether she is sort of right when it comes to this sort of topic and if Australia is ready for this pretty confronting discussion. As always, a very big welcome to the show to you. My name is Gordon, joined by Scott as always. Mate, welcome. We're back in the studio for the first time in... I feel like it's almost been a. Is it been a year? Maybe maybe six to eight months. Since it's we've been um, face to face. Robbed of this, right? <laughs> because we had like the first sitting in the studio here, and then the lockdown hit. I don't know if we were the omen for this, <laughs> and then it just feels so surreal being like sitting facing you in person, face to face, recording this, as opposed to like I'm in my PJs at home, we're on Zoom, and you know, it's just. I feel. Like I got to be like on show right now. You know it's, what I mean? It's your real self. No more oh. uh, behind the screen. Actually, you know what's funny? If you think about it, since we launched the podcast yes. in 2019, I want to say end of 2019. Yep, yep. We've basically been a COVID baby, but po- COVID oh, podcast. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. Or maybe we are. Maybe <laughs> we are the reason we're in locked. We've been locked out because it was November. Went into December, then it was this, it was sort of trickling into the country. Yeah. yeah. Then we had like a, a couple of months of good times. And then it hit. Could you imagine how cooked of a conspiracy theory it would be if, oh, these two lads started this virus, so <laughs> everyone's stuck at home and they have to listen to their podcast. The only thing they can listen to is the trends and things on repeat, <laughs> on on replay all the time. Um, but look, no, it's good to be back. It's good to be in the studio yes, uh, and back outside of the uh, the visual cues of Zoom. But Scotty, how's your week? How's your weekend? What's been going on? Have you been embracing the return yes, to normality? Finally, I have because I think last week's episode, I was like, been out lockdown for a few weeks, not doing anything. <laughs> and I've had this big weekend where I got to go out, see some friends for our 30th. And then um, it was Diwali mm, um, last week Diwali. as well. To so, all our listeners who celebrate. Yes, thank you. Happy Diwali to everyone. And then I had to go see my mom at 7 a.m. And usually, right, it'd be like, oh, that's easy. I don't have anything going on. Mm. I went, I got home maybe like at 1 a.m. or something like before. And I'm like, this is the mistake I've been making in the past. Why am I doing it again? I've had four months to learn from this. And space it out. So I'm, I'm dusty. I'm, and I'm going to be dusty every week now until after Christmas. What's that saying? It's like the the definition of insanity is doing the same, same thing, thing over and over until yeah. you're expecting different results. That is literally Man. the nightlife scene again. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm going to do this whole thing again and wonder why I made the same mistakes. I was literally talking yeah. to someone about that today. It's a repeat of our fatal flaws. You'd think we'd be wiser. You'd have all this time to contemplate. But no, we've literally made the same mistakes. The problem is if people think we... Would be what that is the that is the problem. <laughs> we had we high face. expectations ourselves and have not delivered exactly. I mean, but in saying that, Scotty, before we get stuck into this mm-hmm. week's episode, Big Bird has got the vax, as we've seen on Twitter. I don't know if you caught this, but I I did. The big it's, fella. Um, <laughs> it's so funny, right? Because I think on the show he announced he got the vaccination, and already there's all these like Republican or like oh conservative uh, uh, people in the US being like, "What is this? What's going on? It's a damn puppet." 
You know, it's like, <laughs> like check yourself for a second because you're you're throwing a tantrum over a puppet. Like, yeah, what happened out. to Sesame Street? It used to be fucking awesome back in my day. Now they're all woke leftists. Yeah, you know, there's like, oh, this guy lives in a in a trash can. There's a big bird that can speak. Like, do you think any of this is grounded in reality? You may just take a step back. Yeah, take the L, honestly. But props, <laughs> hey, Big B, doing one, taking one for the the whole world. Yes, uh, and getting that message out there, which is great. But Scotty, look, there's a lot to talk about. Two pretty jam-packed topics this week, and this first one uh, oh, around Astro World. It's been uh, the story of really, sadly, of the the weekend and off the week so far. Let's delve into it because there's a lot to get through in terms of what happened yes. and, of course, what it means for live music and the festival. Yeah, look, um, and look, this only happened last Friday, so details are very fresh. But it's just it's so surreal. These like all these little events have come together and essentially made a, a really tragic event um, over in the US. So if anyone hasn't followed the story so far, um, eight people unfortunately lost their life at the Astro World Festival held in Houston, Texas, uh, Texas sorry, mm. um, last weekend. The details around how these people pass are still very like up in the air. So essentially there was a crowd surge. So something mm. essentially like scared the crowd or spooked the crowd in a way that everyone kind of congregated together and people got trampled on. Um, people kind of shouting for help. You can see if you watch any footage of it, there's like ambulances and security trying to rush. So there's like this call, like you know, ground zero, mm. if you will, um, trying to suss, like you know, find out what's going on. Mm. And you know, we're three days later, and we still don't know the full extent and what's happened yet. That's where it kind of gets a bit tricky because you know, with the absence of the truth, everyone's coming out with maybe this happened, maybe mm. that happened. One really like small, well, not really small thing, but one really interesting thing that has been confirmed is. Um, there was needle spikings, which mm, yes. first time I've come across the term, Very essentially some in the crowd had a syringe and started it's just injecting just people. Jabbing people, yeah, that's insane. And the reason they are able to confirm that is because one security guard actually got jabbed mm. um, and they gave him Narcon, which is a um, it's essentially like a treatment to an uh, opioid. So they okay. think that whatever people have been injected with, um, they may have overdosed on and then had this cardiac arrest. Right, which okay. So I think they're doing an autopsy on some of the bodies and they can't confirm how many people were affected by this jab. Mm. But there's one thing then spawned into, you know, people were kind of fleeing, I guess, for their lives. Right. And so is this sort of, because I'm reading into it, yeah. I sort of got the opinion when I first saw it break that, you know, the stampede of a music festival, which we, we're all too familiar with, oh, I guess, definitely. in a way. Uh, and I sort of read it as maybe there was a bit of, okay, one set's finished, you know, everyone rushes to see Travis Scott mm. play or something like that. And there is a bit of a moment of a stampede. People just trying to get to the front of the stage. Yeah. And maybe was that, you know, that what really happened? Or was it really this guy sort of with the, this person with the needle sort of causing the, is that the moment that spurned the rest of it? So I think this is where, you know, it gets really tricky because this was exclusively during Travis Scott's set. So mm. I think it was around 9 p.m. Um, local time for them. And either started his set and whatever the catalyst that causes event um, caused a crowd to surge in front people kind of pointing fingers at Travis Scott because he's known for the past to incite people to kind of like rush the stage and, you know, mm, yeah, get as close vibe, as you can, right? mm. which is like, you know, for me, I think it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a tricky thing because if you go to any festival, almost every artist does this, yeah. you know, like mm. I go to like a lot of like rock and metal stuff and you, you'd be surprised if a band didn't say like, get the fuck over here, yeah, you know, like yeah, just like get come, rowdy, get yeah, rowdy yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so I'm not surprised that, you know, Travis Scott as such a prominent artist would kind of spur on the crowd like that. Mm. But, you know, people are now pointing to this to say, well, you know, if you're a little bit more respectful, you didn't incite this sort of like 
quote unquote violence, mm. uh, less people would have been injured. Because we do have the eight people who unfortunately passed, and then um, numbers really range, but it's gone up to like, you know, near the hundred that people have been injured because oh, they've been trampled on, yeah. um, or they've been hospitalized for some sort of injury. So mm. it's just a really mixed bag of um, all these small events that have come together to make this tragedy, and we just don't know at the moment, what was the core cause of this? Yeah, and I think the one thing that's interesting for me was reading into it, Travis Scott, his he was always going to come under scrutiny regardless of, of what course. happened, right? Because like you said, his his energy, his vibe mm. is like, let's get let's get really he- like hyped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, you know, people don't die and there's not a big tragedy, it's lad Bible videos and it's, you know, little viral things that yeah. pop up of him climbing on a roof and performing on the back of it everyone's like wow this is so this is, this is amazing this is a hectic yeah. vibe like i want to performer this. yeah um so i get i get that as soon as there was a moment like this sadly that it was always going to be an element of that mm. we don't know what he said did he did he say anything specific like was it this this random person who was going around for whatever reason jabbing people with some like some type some of drug? drug yeah possibly like what was the cause i guess where we these things are going to come to light over the next few days right yeah look i mean the beauty about the internet, and I guess this is the kind of good thing, is there are so many videos of people having different perspectives or what went on sort of thing. And, you know, there are some videos of, you know, like, um, you're a hype man for your own show. So, you know, he is hyping up the crowd and he's trying to get them to kind of, um, mm. you know, kind of like match his energy in a way. And there's other videos of just like, I don't know, people trying to call out to him to stop the show. And, mm. um, you know, that's the other that. element of criticism, right, is like people died at this uh, at his set, but it's so hard. I imagine as an artist, it's so hard to actually know what's going on because you're yeah. you're on a stage. You're looking. You're essentially looking into lights, or you look. You don't. You can't have, see much. What's going on? You can't on, see yeah. everything. The one thing I am shocked about, and I will admit that it's, and again, maybe it's just me reading yeah, into okay. it a bit, but I was surprised that with the amount of people who have been injured or mm-hmm. were hospitalized or sadly did pass away, surely that travels pretty quickly, right? The, the yeah. paramedics, I mean, I can understand they're probably at, at that moment fixated on saving someone's life or mm-hmm. getting them help. So it's not going to go immediately to the security backstage and they're going to inform Travis Scott. But I imagine eventually it did. And from all accounts, the gig went on, right? It was, it, he finished the set, I believe, yeah, or he so, finished performing. So what happened was, um, so like the festival organizers were contacted and apparently they were supposed to cut the, the set. It was also being filmed for Apple TV. So, you know, there's oh, so many okay. things yep. at play. Or Apple, sorry, Apple Music. And um, he set was supposed to be cut, but he went for an additional, I think, 35 minutes from when they clocked mm. that something was going on. So, right. it's still another half hour, which I feel like in even the scheme of things, half an hour is a really quick time and there's so much going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, there's clear footage of an ambulance, like, coming into yeah. the crowd. That's got to raise a red flag. Yeah. But So, there's a flip side to this as well because... You can also blame the artist, but the crowd itself, there's some red flags there. And, um, you know, this has also led to like a lawsuit against Travis. Oh my God, the lawsuits are going to Oh, they're going to come. Flooding. Uh, but essentially it's, you know, the lawsuit against him is about him being negligent because he's chasing money. It's, you know, it's his festival. He started mm. this back in 2018. And, you know, there were some red flags that could have um, meant that if they acted quicker, uh, this event may not have happened even though there was someone with a syringe that mm, it hard to say, but essentially one thing that happened really early in the festival is there's footage as the festival was opening that people were just storming the gates. They like essentially like uh, brushed past security. They stormed mm, like a VIP yeah, area yep. and it was like an early stampede. So it's, it's fair criticisms, uh, criticism to say that happened early in the day. 
why did you not do anything later on that could have then made things more manageable in mm. the, later in the festival? And maybe you may not have been able to prevent the syringe injecting thing, but the people falling on each other and this like, you know, mass um, sort of stampede, maybe you could have addressed that element. So the total impact of this um, situation was much lower. So it's it's hard, but, you know, I go to a lot of festivals, right? Mm, you go mm, to a lot mm. of festivals. And when you're on the ground, it's... And not not that this is this is a you know this is acceptable behavior, but it's also sort of the norm of any festival, right? Mm. It's you know uh, I remember when we saw Kendrick a couple of years ago for Splendor, it was like a thirty thousand person crowd in an amphitheater, and everyone was just you didn't have any space, you know, yeah, like you were packed, you were sardines. packed, you were sardines, right? And um, you know, luckily there were no you know injuries or characteristics of that but that's kind of like every big artist that's come out to this country or any big festival you go to you kind of just packed in these tiny little spots because they just want to maximize how many people can yeah, be there of course of course to see the artists i don't know i don't know if this is sort of a, like a wake-up call that we need to change how festivals are structured or for the off yeah, chance it might be this just, might happen it might be gigs as well in general live music mm. because you know we had a trisanth on a couple fucking ages ago now yeah we did in COVID, and we were talking about how you know, live music is this, you know, such a just positive and mm. powerful event. And you don't often come away from a gig with sort of bad, really bad memories yeah. compared to, you know, say if you went to a sporting match and your team lost or yeah, something happened at another thing that you paid for tickets for, you go away with a really positive experience. In this case, we're seeing that that's not the case. Mm. And probably a lot of people are going to be traumatized from what happened. Some people have lost family members, kids, grand, uh, sorry, grandchildren, brothers, sisters. And I, not that I ever need to promote uh, my boys Lincoln Park, but I did see mm-hmm. a video doing the rounds shared by Kira Peru, great Aussie artist. Right, yeah. And she basically, there's this clip that's been doing the rounds on TikTok and Twitter and stuff now on the back of this story where Chester Bennington and, you know, rest in peace, big man, mm. and Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park, like the vocalist, right, in the middle of a set and Lincoln Park in their heyday were new metal, right? So you can yeah, imagine yeah. their gigs would be pretty hectic. And someone fell in the crowd. So someone had fallen down and they stopped right in the middle of one of their songs and said, stop, stop, stop. You know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but this guy's down, like, get him up, get him up. We're not going to get guys. We can't continue unless we pick this guy up. And then after that sort of finished, Chester Bennington sort of says to the crowd, he's like, you know, and and sort of almost like this, not playful, but like in one way, educate, like educating the crowd Mm. and then one way sort of being a showman said like, you know, what happens when someone fall, falls down and everyone goes, pick him up. And it was like oh, a bit of back and great. forth. Yeah, so yeah. sort of like being that showman, that front man, but also saying like, we don't want people to be on the ground. Like we know it's going to be rowdy. Mm. And Travis Scott, he incites the stuff, right? And that's where I'm like, there's a little bit on him because yes. he, he goes for that whole energetic, get, you know, mosh, go crazy vibe, which is, you know, we've been in enough mosh with Scotty ourselves to know that's all part of the fun. Of course. But- the minutes, you know, stuff like this happens and- You got to you know, stop, you know, you got to- It reminds me of Falls, right? That incident that happened oh, at Falls. That's yeah, what I was talking yeah. to a few mates about today when it was more of- That was more of a stampede, like Noosehead gate entry. Yeah, it There was, was an issue where people and, were trying to get in, yeah, yeah, people falling over and stuff. And that was a big, bit of a wake-up call. I'm pretty sure Falls would still be dealing with a few legal situations oh, themselves definitely. on the back of that. But God, they, it feels like they nearly, nearly went under on the back <laughs> of that really you know, sad day. And yeah, it made me think I would be lying if I if I didn't say it, uh, what this means for say the Australian festival scene, overseas festival mm. scene, because you're right, you just they just want to cram people into these festivals, right? So what is the next stage? Because I guess it's one of those things, sort of like when you have a plane crash, right? It's 
couple of people dying in a pa- in a plane crash is too many people. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the festival. Eight people it's dying is, is just you got to start thinking about almost reform. It's sad we often have to get to that stage to mm. start thinking about it, but maybe often you don't know about the problem. Like think about the stampede at the gate. That happens at every big festival. Oh, 100%. Splendor. Like we know people who have done a gate crash. It's yes, happened before. It's happened. Yeah. So, and like stuff like that, if you think about it, well, could be, it's one of those things where you could, we wouldn't be surprised, right? If something bad happened from a stampede, like a lot of people yeah. running in, people could easily get trampled. Security guards could get injured. We met guys in the Kendrick crowd, if I remember oh, correctly, who had, who had literally made fakies and yes, had yeah. done that. <laughs> so in one way, I'm like, well, festivals are great and it's a great time. And we're, I think both fair to say festival advocates, it's a mm-hmm. great experience. But maybe there is this moment of reform, like when in Big Day Out at the Limp Biscuit concert, when I think it was Big Day Out, I can't remember when, but someone, mm-hmm. a girl died. And I can't remember again what year it was, but I remember someone passing and I was talking to a friend about this where that middle barricade they have in a mosh when you're at yeah. a festival, you know where the sound tent is about halfway back. Yeah, halfway. They, you know, they, they put up some fences now to sort of almost barricade the two crowds. So, you know, like Groove in the yeah, Moon and stuff like that, yeah, they yeah. have, you can't go straight in, you've got to go around or you can't yeah. even access that sometimes when it's full. Mm. He was telling, my mate was telling me that that was sort of set up on the back of this girl dying. There was a bit of a, I can't remember, you didn't tell me exactly what happened, but those fences were put in place as a security measure to gotcha. sort of almost like, in a way, cattle the you know cattle up people and sort of go. Okay, that area is pretty pretty tight now. Yeah, we're going to barricade that off a little bit, and you can stand at the back here. So, yeah, I mean, what do you think? Do you think there's there is a form to come out of this? Is there is this sort of like a sad thing to happen to encourage some change that's needed, or is it one of those things that you know so, sadly is going to happen when you have so many, so many people, people. In, in one place? Yeah, look, I think I, I don't know about reform, right? Because I think you know, anytime anyone plans these events, it's pretty strict, right? Because you know. It's all about their liability. You want to make sure there is zero possibility for an accident to happen because, you know, if something mm. happens, it's it's on you. So I can't speak about like the US safety standards, but I know like when people plan festivals and events here is, you know, they even speak to the police and get the police on board to make sure there's enough security and personnel there to like manage the flow of people. I think partially this, this comes down to Travis only because it's not the first time something like this has happened with him. I think he's had three incidents in the past, one where a man was pushed off a, a balcony and he's now at paralyzed a at a gig. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and, you know, he's just notorious for getting people to rush to the stage. Uh, I think it was like Lollapalooza he played. He did the same thing and then like security and police were injured because they were sexually mm. trampled on. So I, I want to say, if anything, it's a wake-up call for Travis, right? Like, I appreciate you want people to match your energy. You want people to be on the same level as you because, you know, this is your, your craft and it's everything mm. that you love. But it's not an excuse to, like, override safety just to have that, mm. you, you know, almost like you kind of see like that viral moment where people do the rounds of your gig and, like, that's your, that's your marketing. That's, oh, I want to go to a Travis set because mm. it's loose. It's yeah, mental. it's a crazy one. Yeah, um, so, look, it's obviously late because people also need to put him in check as well. Sure, mm. it's his festival, but, you know, I think... Uh, Live Nation um, helped organize the festival. So there's, there's people who are behind the scenes making sure this happens that kind of maybe need to pull them aside. Like, yo, mm. get it. That's your, it's your baby. You've started this for so long now, but it's it's getting whack now. You know, like, yeah, yeah. look at this event. You've got to really put um, yeah put things into perspective. So come to the artists, you know, because everyone, everyone listens to them. Mm. Uh, so him first. If there's more, I think, you know, there's like it was a 50,000 person event. I don't know how big their grounds were, but 
it was obviously big enough that people were trampled on. Mm. The, one account I heard was it was layers. So it's not just like one person you see on the oh, ground. Fuck. There's yeah, one right. person on top of another Jesus. person on, on another person. So if that was your safety setup, there's definitely a very prominent problem. That's got to be reviewed. And look, maybe as we learn more, you know, we we'll, might find out there was something around the safety procedures, just like we learned with the Alec Baldwin story a few weeks back around gun safety. Maybe there's someone just, you know, trying to cut corners because it's, uh, you know, mm. just easier to do or, you you know, it's a small team trying to be put on a big yeah, festival. Yeah. Um, but it's just at the core of it, it is a tragedy. Like you said, eight people didn't need to lose their life on this festival. Um, I hope just over the next few days we know the truth. I hope they find the person who did the, mm. uh, the oh, injecting thing because that I feel like is a very critical part in, uh, in this story. And I think if that didn't happen, then we might not be talking about this today. Scotty, we're back. And look, topic two this week is another quite complex one mm-hmm. to talk through. And if you haven't been following, uh, Cleo Smith, young girl from Western Australia, was taken from a tent in Carnarvon, I believe, is the is the suburb from a camping ground there. And in great news, obviously, she was found by herself in the house of a kidnapper, Terence Daryl Kelly. Now, this has been a national yes. news story. Uh, it'd be hard to not follow it, but have you kept up to date with it? Have you been following the news? I think it was about... Middle, mid, mid to late last week when she was found and obviously massive news story, massive sigh of relief. It felt like by the whole country yeah, in that mental. moment. She was um, lost for like two and a half weeks. That's crazy. So like the tragedy for the family, just not knowing what was going on. But almost every day there was some sort of, you know, like you kind of get these stories where it's like this one piece of evidence might mm. be the thing that cracked the case. And um, glad that the family has a comfort knowing that the daughter's back at home. But yeah, you couldn't miss this story because it was yeah. just almost, you know, uh, daily updates on what could be going on. That's true. And I can't imagine the, mm. you know, we're talking about this at, at my office and sort of saying between a few colleagues, the thought of being a parent, you know, none of, neither of us are parents, but I don't think it takes much, much to sort of, sort of visualize or, yeah, or, of course. or somewhat feel like what they might be going through. Mm. And, and that would be a hundred times worse than what you could think it would be, right? Yeah. Like actually not having your kid there. It's, oh, it's like spine tingling. Um, but it was obviously great news. And I think, one of the big parts about that played a part in finding Cleo Smith was that scope of media, the attention, yes. the resources. Yeah. Like within a, a couple of days or a week, once they sort of ruled out that she had gone missing, mm. and you know the tent was the tent zipper was pretty like up high, that it meant she was probably taken. That there was a one million dollar reward on the table. There was a lot of incentive. Right. The government yeah, yeah. put up a big cash reward. And said, look, if there's any information, you know, there's up to $1 million of, of rewards and incentives for Mental. people to get involved, right? Yeah. And heaps of people talked about it. Media was it was out of control. And, you know, the and I think the um, the deciding information in the end was that the neighbors saw that uh, the person, the kidnapper had basically been buying nappies. And he was a guy that they knew lived alone, found it a bit strange yeah, that he was buying okay. nappies and stuff. Yeah. And that acted as a hook because he wasn't even at the house when- the police got there and found right. Cleo by herself. Mental. So it's yeah. a crazy look. The whole story is crazy. But what we, what I really want to talk about now, uh, Scotty, because obviously, yeah, definitely want to, definitely really happy. And you know, I, I know when I saw the news, I was really relieved that Cleo Smith was mm. found. But Jacinda, Ken, uh, Jacinda Ke- uh, Franklin, rather, uh, who's a former Miss Australia contestant, uh, and I think she nearly won the whole competition, the Miss Universe competition. Yeah. Okay. Now the um, 
whose husband rather is AFL star bad buddy Lance Franklin, plays for the Sydney I wish Swans. I, knew. I wish you, I knew. I'm just speaking random <laughs> things to you, am I? Um, <laughs> but look, basically, she's come out and said that would the same type of resource and effort go into finding an Indigenous soul, uh, child? Because yeah, buddy, okay. buddy Franklin is Indigenous. Uh, like I said, plays for the Sydney Swans and they've got a couple of kids now together. And obviously it's hit home, as mm. you can imagine, being a parent, having a young kid go missing, it, it, it hits, hits home if you're a parent. And she sort of raised this. And, and look, by all means, it wasn't like, oh, why don't we put the same resource into you know Indigenous kids that are missing? It was very much a, this is great news. We should all celebrate this and, and you know, look into it as a positive moment for Australia. Of but course. also, let's also talk about this. And she posted in some length in sort of now deleted Instagram posts but or Instagram stories. And I've said, sort of seen a huge backlash to some of the comments, right? Because a lot of people sort of saying, oh, like you making it about you. It's about you and you're talking about yourself in this. Why? Weird. Okay. It's, it's a weird flex. But let's, let's have a look at some of the comments that she originally said, right? So sure. this is what she said in a couple of stories uh, back last week. And she says, without taking away from the joy of finding a missing child alive and well, I can't help but think about the disparity that exists in this country between missing children who are white and indigenous children when it comes to the visibility and the coverage of the case. I've read so many heartbreaking stories of missing indigenous children that garner hardly any media coverage or the social media coverage that a case like Cleo's did. I have no doubt that the widespread broadcasting of information in regards to this case assisted the phenomenal efforts of the WA police force in locating this beautiful little girl and reuniting mm. her with her family. Um, so that was the... The, the crux of the statement that she put out or the comments, what was your read on this? Because, you know, Scotty, I, as I sort of read it, the immediate thoughts I had was like, this is so true. This is a very uh, poignant thing to say in a moment. And I sort of worried in a way for what I almost knew was to come, which of was course. the onslaught of people just giving her shit. And since having to delete the post because no doubt heaps of people would have responded to her and, and sort of hey and box, it's, oh, it's not worth yeah. it right so what was your take on it what's your take on this this idea because before we delve into it the one other thing i will say mm -hmm. is that she replied back after all this hate yeah and she said thank you to everyone who, who's engaged you know in meaningful conversations in regard to my post about the lack of equality in the visibility of cases of missing children you know, confronting and often forgotten topics like this are important to talk about. So she sort of went on to explain some stuff there, saying how she's received an outpouring of messages about the lack of it, of action and attention. So mm -hmm. obviously there was some good stuff there as well. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, not only for missing children, regardless of ethnicity, but the fact that they should all have equal presence in the media uh, when it comes to in injustice like this, where someone, a child's been kidnapped. Mm. Um, so look, enough from me. What are your, what's your take on this? Yeah. Um, it's so weird that, the moment you kind of call out a little bit of a disparity in society, you're labeled as like a, you're a villain, you're, you're mm. sick, you know, like how dare you talk about this other thing when, you know, this thing is going on. I think it's such a valid point though. I can't think of a time that on the news I've seen someone other than a, you know, like a Anglo-Saxon baby or like, mm. and I, I don't know if, whether that's just like we, because I guess you also show the stories that connect, right? And maybe... And maybe that's showing us that we have room to grow, that if you saw a First Nations baby or Indigenous baby, you'd maybe not connect to the story. Mm. You're just like, oh, oh, yeah. You know, because you have your own, like biases or predispositions about them that you just might not connect with the story. But it's but the sounds of it, it's not saying that, oh, you know, cool, Cleo Smith has found 
Um, what about these people? It's like you're just trying to level the playing field because, you know, Indigenous families would go through the same trauma and the same stress from losing a child that, mm. um, you know, Cleo's family went through. And I think I know there were some stats around it, but it's not like Indigenous children are a small percentage of babies that go missing. Yeah. They actually make up quite a large number. Um, so she's just calling out attention to a very prominent issue. It's not like it's, you know, like a, you know, it's only one baby a year sort of thing. It's yeah, like, it's yeah, quite yeah. a large number that mm. it just needs that attention. And if the government's going to give a million dollars fine, any other baby, you know, like, yeah, yeah, everyone will get behind it. Yeah. It was interesting to see them put up the $1 million mm. uh, reward. I did find that quite uh, intriguing to see, but yeah, you're right. The ABC reported in uh, December, 2019, that indigenous people accounted for about 17.5%. Yeah. Of all unsolved missing persons cases in WA. So it's still happening. Huge. Yeah. Despite only making up 3% of the local population, which is do the yeah. maths on that. It's, it's sort of same with like the incarceration rates, right? So many indigenous people in jail, only a percentage of the people, yeah. you know, being making up the total population yeah. of which Australia. It, it just means it's a large number of in, like indigenous children that go missing. Yeah. Like, like it's it's larger than you, you would think it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, in August 2019, the families of about 15 missing Aboriginal mm. children united for this rally in New South Wales sort of causing or asking to raise awareness for Indigenous cases. Yeah. Uh, and I know The Guardian reported a bit about that. And I was sort of thinking, I wonder if it's like this subconscious or, or unconscious or whatever the bias is towards yeah. sort of Indigenous children in this case because it's almost like when we have a, you know, an act of terror or a terrorist attack mm. in a Western country. Yeah. And it's like, yep, yeah, cool, 11 people die or is it like a, there's a, a amount of people that pass away. And because it's in a Western country, it's such a shocking thing you don't normally see mm. or that you don't, it's, you know, it's almost movie-like. And it's sort of like this in, in some cases. We're so inf infatuated with crime fiction and stuff. Like this was like a crime fiction thing unfolding in front of us, right? Yeah. So mysterious and strange. 100% this would be a uh, oh, Netflix they're already or doing. They've already, I think they're already looking at doing docos and stuff like that. Like, like, come on. Can you imagine? Like, don't, don't milk it. You oh, know, like, oh, mate. If there's one thing they're going to do, they're gonna it's milk fucking it. milk, this, <laughs> milk this as much as they can, the major networks. But yeah, it's like, I wonder if that sort of, you know, the fact that we, we, we hear about missing people's cases, mm -hmm. true crime, stuff like that, we're so not used to it actually being real, mm. in inverted commas, but this was quite real. It's quite tragic and in the moment. And But if you look at things like in overseas terrorist attacks, like in Syria or Pakistan mm. or India and stuff like that, happen pretty regularly yeah. and, mil you know, millions if not, you know, more than that die every year, right, from terrorist attacks or in those countries and or however whatever the number is. So I do wonder if maybe it's that un, like sort of subconscious bias where you don't actually, it doesn't actually feel like we're giving prejudice or being biased towards Cleo Smith or, or white children, mm. but it is going to make more of a story. It is So we're going to report about it more because it's, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. does that play a part, do you think? Yeah, look, I, I feel like it's like a, you know, looking into our ugly side of our relationship with um, Indigenous Australians, it's, you know, if you even heard that story, if say a, indigenous child went missing you're like oh maybe it's this because you know we have this idea that um you know it's not it's not a beautiful idea but you know we do have this idea that you know indigenous australians are you know uh you know like alcohol dependent or they're mm. you know like they're unsafe yeah, yeah. environments and so why wouldn't their children want to disappear from that so i feel like even if we try to give these stories attention talking about that kind of like unconscious bias we have we might not take it seriously because you have this idea that well, they're just running away from an unsafe environment. Yeah, but that's yeah, not yeah. 
necessarily true at all. You can't you can't carry that sort of thing. So I, I wonder if it's just in a way, it's just like an also an easy story to kind of tell. Like, you know, young daughter, you know, taking from a camping ground and, you know, mm. the trauma and all that that comes into play. Um, you know, it is in a way, it's sort of like um not like a fairy tale, but like in like you to your point about like a like a, a movie sort of moment sort of thing. You know, there's there's the triumph, there's the let's make mm. this a doco, but you know, maybe there's no happy ending with trying to portray indigenous uh, children and their stories so we don't give it the coverage mm. yeah it's, there's multiple factors at play and one thing that i sort of th- might be good to close on is this idea that for some reason people aren't or th- that these stats are exaggerated and you know indigenous oh, people right. get as much coverage as they as as others and stuff like that there was this interview that i came across with uh came across on news.com.au with former homicide detective Gary Jubelin, who has a 34-year career in the New South Wales Police, so yeah. works on many high-profile cases, including that of missing toddler William Tyrrell. I'm not sure if you know much about it, no. but Bower- the Bowerville um, murders, where it happened in 1990 to 1991 in Bowerville, New South Wales. Okay. All three victims uh, of this were Indigenous and all disappeared from the same street after parties in Bowerville's Aboriginal community. Mm-hmm. Police believe sort of all three were killed by the same person. Uh, a white man has been tried and acquitted of two of the three murders. Mm. So it's a bit of a complex one, and yeah. uh, by all means, read into it if you ha- if you can. But he basically gave a quote to them saying that he understood what Jacinta was saying, that it's important that all victims get the same response. He said that, um, I have to say in the past with Bowerville, that it was clear to me that because the victims were Aboriginal and also socioeconomic factors come into play, that they were in lower socioeconomic groups, mm. that they didn't get the resources supplied initially. Uh, the ramifications oh, of which yes. play out to this day. So yeah. a lot of those factors where you're in, you know, lower socioeconomic barriers or whether that impacts is or is there's impact off your ethnicity on that or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think no doubt that plays a part, right? Because this is a young white girl gone missing. Yeah. It's got all the, you know, that Madeline McCann who was in Europe, I think oh, it was, and, and went, has gone missing, never been found. There's, yes. That's still talked about to yeah. this day. Because it's got almost, uh, you know, that media value that people are like, oh my god, this can't happen. We need to do something about it. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's one of those things, right? Because and there you've got a, a detective saying that there is there is a bit of a divide here and a disparity mm. because other people were talking about, oh, what about the timing of her comments? Is the timing right? And I'm sort of like, well, how long do we? How long do you wait to talk about this? Is, yeah. is there a, a week sort of where you go, cool? Let's leave it. Let's leave it until everyone's happy hours. and everyone's yeah. all good with it. And then I say my my yeah. comments because Jacinta always also said in some of her comments since that she's this is something she's talked about before. It's not the first time she's talked about it. She's only getting coverage and people so are talking close. about it because it's so close to the yeah. the finding of the girl. Like this is it's like why protests happen, right? Mm. You do a protest when people are you do something like march on a street because people will take notice and talk yes. about it. Otherwise, if you just tweet about it every now and then nothing's gonna happen when it's nothing's no one else is talking about it no mm. one will realize right so yeah and what are your final thoughts on this because i think for me i saw just to come out and say this and i was like great let's have this conversation mm-hmm. but it sort of felt to me like people were just like almost offended by it they could not nah, we don't want to talk about this just be happy that this chick was found <laughs> this little this young girl was found and that's it and stop there that that was my first reaction and it sort of felt like me oh, i sort of felt like let's this is a good moment to She's yeah. not saying disregarding Cleo Smith's finding or the great work by the police. She's saying let's just talk wh- about why you know Indigenous kids don't she's, have the same. Um, yeah, she's a she's approached it so like eloquently. Like it's not saying oh you know what about 
yeah, this group of people, she's just bringing attention to something that needs attention. The, the timing thing is, you know, to be honest, probably not the best timing. However, because of that, I think it, it's got the attention, right? Jacinta mm. says she's spoken about this in the past. I can't recall hearing anything about Jacinta talking about this other than this story because yeah. it's so close to something that's been, um, you know, prominently featured. So I think, yeah, sure, there might be an issue of timing wasn't particularly great, but I think because of that kind of harsh, not that harsh, sorry, but because of that uncomfortable um, timing, you have to give it a bit more attention. You have to yeah. address the reality of it. 100%. And so that's why we're talking about it today because it's a very, it's a very real issue that needs attention. Otherwise, more Indigenous um, people would just go unnoticed and those stories won't have the same happy ending as Cleo's. Yeah, absolutely. And look, by all means, it's something we should get better at. And hopefully this story and these comments by Jacinda helps uh, with the sort of finding of, of additional children, whether yes. they be whatever ethnicity that's what we're all in this for to find, you know, missing kids and missing people around the country. But Scotty, look, that might just do us there. Two really meaty topics this mm-hmm. week to chat through. And look, thank you for listening to our first episode back in the studio for what seems like an eternity, oh. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, but as always, you can follow us on socials at Trends and Tings on Instagram, Trends and Tings Podcast Crew on Facebook. And of course, patreon.com forward slash Trends and Tings. You will find our Patreon if you want to support the pod five or a month to get involved. It would be very much appreciated. Keep this thing free and running for everyone. But as always, Scotty, thank you for joining. Thanks for everyone for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. See you, everyone.